you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. I know it's a little earlier than I said, 10 a.m., but I got off and I figured I'd just hop right on and get started. Um, huge night last night. Anything else? Uh, anything big happened last night? Anything big in the news happened last night? Kidding. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how it, what, what we can learn from it for California, um, lessons we should be able to take. Uh, for it for California and uh, you know what I just want to say a little bit of vacation for me because I told you you know don't worry we got to get in this fight and we got to look forward and we got to be positive um, so quick update on court we had our ex parte this morning uh, it was denied as of right now but they we did sit, set a preliminary injunction for December 10th um, so a preliminary injunction is basically uh, not an emergency injunctive order. Injunctive order means that the county would have to stop whatever they're doing under this resolution um, because the resolution, as we are arguing, is overbroad and vague. And let me read you, just as an example, I'm going to read you what the language is of this resolution. And you tell me what it's trying to do. Uh, and this is the conclusion because it goes through all these whereas, whereas, whatever, we, we acknowledge all this stuff. Uh, it says, now, therefore, it is hereby resolved that it, in the sense of the Board of Supervisors that health misinformation is declared a public health crisis and the County of San Diego should commit to combating health misinformation and curb the spread of falsehoods that threaten the health and safety of our residents. Can't hear anything? Is my mic not plugged in? Let's see. What? What? There we go. Is that better? Can everyone hear me? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me in the chat. Um, anyway, as I was saying, now, therefore, it is hereby resolved in the sense of the Board of Supervisors that health misinformation... Just give me a thumbs up if you can... Okay, good. In the sense of the Board of Supervisors that health misinformation is declared a public health crisis in the county of San Diego should commit to combating health misinformation and curb the spread of falsehoods that threaten the health and safety of our residents. Um, just as a side note, this is always recorded on audio version. So if you missed the first part of what I was talking about, you can always go check out the podcast, um, later on. And, um, yeah, that way, if you missed the first couple of minutes where maybe you didn't hear me, you can always go check out the podcast, which is on Spotify, Google, Apple, all that stuff. Anyway, so does that resolution sound like it tells you exactly what they are playing to do? No, it tells you that they are committing to combating health misinformation and curb the spread of falsehoods that threaten the health and safety of our residents. Okay, first off, let's start off with should commit to combating health misinformation. Combating is a verb, meaning they are going to take some sort of action. They're going to do something against health misinformation. What is it they are going to do? What is it that they plan on doing to combat health misinformation? That's vague. Curb the spread of falsehoods. Again, you have curb, which is a verb, and spread of falsehoods. What are the falsehoods? What's misinformation? Under constitutional law, both under the First Amendment and the Liberty of Speech of California, which the Liberty of Speech Clause of California Constitution is actually broader than the First Amendment. So that's why we filed in state superior court under the California Constitution and really focused on that because it's actually broader than the First Amendment. Um, what is a falsehood? 
They're being vague on what a falsehood is and that they're trying to stop the spread of falsehoods. So that's our whole argument. The whole argument is that this resolution is poorly written. And because of it, it's unconstitutional because it's both overbroad and vague. It doesn't specifically delineate. When you are going to try and have any sort of resolution that involves the content of someone's speech, it has to be incredibly specific as to what you are doing. And this is not being incredibly specific. This is just gobbledygook of what they should be doing, what are falsehoods and all that. So that's our whole argument. We're going to take that argument to the preliminary injunction on December 10th. Um, if you want to help and support uh, the plaintiffs who are taking this, you know, Sean Fredrickson, he's a, he's a huge activist, uh, you know, great voice here in the San Diego community. Um, there is a GoFundMe called Fight Back San Diego. You can go there. Um, and that's it. So that's the case right now. So we're heading to the preliminary injunction on December 10th. So Virginia, last night, a lot of people were saying... Uh, especially in the comments yesterday, when I said, keep your eyes on Virginia and New Jersey, because that will show you the approval of the Biden administration and the Democratic agenda as of now. And I would argue that it was a resounding no to the um, Democratic and Biden agenda. And re- resounding no. Across the country, it wasn't just Virginia. Now, Virginia was a huge, huge, huge upset. It was a bloodbath for Democrats in Virginia last night. The governor race, which, you know, polls were showing that Yunkin had the lead before he went into uh, before we went into voting. And then not only that, you had a clean sweep of all three state offices. You had the attorney general, you had the lieutenant general or governor. And you had the governor, all Republicans elected. And not only that, the first black female lieutenant governor in Virginia history is a Republican, former Marine, ran a homeless shelter, raised three kids, um, big Second Amendment proponent. She's now the lieutenant. She's the lieutenant governor elect of Virginia. Not only that, they flipped a bunch of seats in the House of Delegates, which is their legislature. So now you have a I think it's split. I think it's evenly split. I haven't checked the numbers recently, but I think it's evenly split or it's 51-50 in favor of Republicans. Um, But that's huge. In a blue state that was reliably blue, they've now taken the governor. They've taken lieutenant governor. They've taken the attorney general. And they basically flipped the House of Delegates. Huge. Or as I said yesterday, it was huge. Um, And that sends a huge message to the Democrats. And not only that, it sends a message to Republicans. And this is important. This is really important. I tweeted this last night that the main lesson that Republicans should take away from this is that you cannot take advantage of any vote anywhere. And this is why it relates back to California. This is a lesson that California Republicans really can take with them going forward into 2022, which a gubernatorial race. One, you stand by your principles. You, two, you lean into it and you fight like hell. Three, you have solutions. You don't just be the contrarian candidate, which this California GOP is very good at just being the contrarian party. It's now time to start offering solutions. It's time to start saying, here's where we're going to take this state and here's how we're going to do it. And, and finally, you have to go on offense in those blue areas. 
If you were watching the map, as I was last night, the reason Yunkin won is, one, he was able to get his base out. He was able to get all the red areas out, run up his numbers there. But he was also went head-to-head -head with McAuliffe in a lot of blue areas like Fairfax and Loudoun. Loudoun County, which is a blue county, it still went blue, but it didn't go blue as much as it usually does. What does that tell you? Is that Yunkin went in and he was able to get a bunch of votes that would have maybe another Republican would have said, nah, you know, I'm not going into Loudoun County. I'm not going into Fairfax County. It's not worth it. it you know, I'm not going to win there or whatever. You have to go on offense. If you're going to flip a state, you can't do it sitting in the sitting in the back seat. You have to get in there and you have to start pushing for those votes. You have to start putting Democrats on defense. And I've said this numerous times that the GOP is very good at just always playing defense. You have to go on offense, right? And Virginia showed that last night. Same thing with New Jersey, which is New Jersey. I think Bergen County went blue last time for Phil Murphy, went red this time for Citarelli. And you started to see that he was chipping away at a lot of his leads in blue areas. So if you're going to be in a blue state and you're a Republican Party, you have to go on offense. And the Democrats did this. The Democrats did this in Georgia. We talk a lot about Georgia and what that means. They went on offense in Georgia. Now, keeping aside everything funny that happened in Georgia, at the end of the day, they went on offense. And in Virginia, they went on offense. And when you go on offense and you put the other side on defense, there's a good chance you can win some of those areas. Now, you're not going to flip counties. There's, a, there's some counties you're just not going to flip. But let's say, for example, here in California, you go to a blue county like L.A., deep, deep blue, right? Very, very deep, deep blue. And you're a Republican candidate. People say, well, why are you campaigning in L.A. County? Because if I can narrow and go into 2022, let's say we have Republican candidate A facing off against noodles. If you have a Republican candidate who can go into L.A. County and change the numbers from, let's say, last time he won L.A. County by, I don't know, 70-30. Now, all of a sudden, he goes in and they win it, I don't know, 60-40. That's a 10% swing. That's a 10-point swing. And that's a 10-point loss in votes for Noodles. And a place where he has to run up the numbers to win if he wants to be a governor. So that's where you start to really put them on defense. And you have to come up with platforms. You have to come up with solutions. You have to come up with practical solutions. Kitchen table politics. I've always talked about this. Kitchen table politics. And you have to talk to people, whether maybe they're not registered Republican. Maybe they're independent in California. There's a lot of independents out there. You know, if you got the Republicans and the independents and they all band together, there's actually more of them than they are Democrats. There is a chance. There's a chance you can start to win in different states. And that's the really, I think, the biggest message out of all this. I think that is the biggest message out of all of this is that don't write off states. All right. Don't write off states. People have always say, well, you know, write off California, write off this state, write off New Jersey, write off all these states. Why? Why write off these states? And you, you kind of have to credit Donald Trump for this. Donald Trump had the bravado enough to go, you know, I'm going to go in New York. I think I could win New York. And people are looking at him going, you think you can win New York? What are you, crazy? No one, like Republicans haven't won 
New York in a presidential race for decades. Why would you think you wouldn't do that? Because he believed he could. And now that has to become a 50-state strategy where Republicans really go on the offense and push all these different states, like Nevada. Someone said last night, now it's you go to Nevada and you do this offense. You take this same sort of campaign blueprint and you go to Nevada. You flip Nevada and you start to go to different states, maybe a Colorado. Make, maybe you make it more deep purple again, maybe lean red. So that's the point that is really important for Republicans is to stop playing defense. Go on offense. Stand by your principles. Be tough. Stand up for what you believe in and go out and go on offense. Because when you do that and you actually have a backbone, amazing things happen. People will rally to your side. People will look at you and go, yeah, I kind of like this guy. I'm going to vote for him. And, and even if New Jersey ends up, because it's very, very close to New Jersey, very, very close, just a couple thousand votes. Even if New Jersey ends up going back to Phil Murphy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Citarelli sounds like he's, he, he's feels confident that they can hold on to it. Um, even if they probably take it to a lawsuit or an audit or something like that in one of the counties, even that should scare the absolute pants off Democrats in New Jersey. Across the board, there were seats that were supposedly safe in deep blue areas. Did you know that a Republican was elected to city attorney in Seattle? Seattle. Think about that. Deep blue, Chaz, Antifa, all that stuff. Seattle elected a Republican city attorney. So if that gives you any idea of what is going on across the country, that the Democratic agenda of this far left wokeism is not playing well to the voters, it's not playing well to parents, then I don't know what else. And I think Republicans have to, to take this, take the momentum and not rest on their laurels. I think they wake up today and they get right to work on 2022 because the Democrats are certainly getting to work on 2022. They're going... We got to revamp our messaging. We got to do what, you know, we got to get the right candidates out there. And every candidate in 2022 who is in a swing district might be a little bit more scared waking up this morning. Joe Manchin waking up this morning and going into work is probably a little bit more apprehensive about what's happening going, whoa, wait a second. I'm a Democratic senator in a state that went heavily for Trump. Um, and I'm teetering on probably getting booted out of office. Maybe I don't vote for this $1.5 trillion spending bill. And maybe I just kind of walk away and say, I'm not voting for it. That's the ripple effect last night had in terms of going forward. It's a whole new day politically, whole new day. And, and I think if you followed last night, if you're a political nerd, like I am, you saw that you saw that last night was a huge night. It was a big night for the country. And I know this past year since November 3rd last year, it's been rough. It's definitely been rough. It's been crazy. It's been a roller coaster of a ride. But if there's one thing morally that I want people to really think about is that there's always another election and you always have to fight for that next election. You say, okay, you, you get up, you dust yourself off and you say, there's always going to be another election and let's take that election. And that's what it comes down to. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom. I know people were still reeling from 2020. I know I got 
dozens of comments, people saying, oh, well, they already cheated. That's rigged. There's no way the guy in Virginia is going to win that Democrats had it rigged already that, you know, he's going to come out in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. So instead, what happened is McAuliffe conceded this morning. It's officially over. Everyone called it. That's it. The race is over. And that's, again, back to what I had said. You win by getting your numbers up. You win by just beating the pants off of them and making cheating or election during not a non-issue. Will there always be funny business in elections? Sure. People are imperfect. Like last night, everyone was freaking out about the Fairfax thing. And everyone was like, oh, here we go again. Fairfax is now all of a sudden waiting until they have to see all the other results. And then they're going to report. Um, but I knew I, I said they're probably there's probably a swarm of GOP attorneys on the ground in Fairfax who are watching everything and ready to file suit at a moment's notice. And I think 2020, they, they kind of showed their hand. They showed their hand going forward. I think if they're smart, GOPers are going to send attorneys everywhere. They're going to keep their eye on everything. They're not going to take anything for granted. Um, but the point really that I'm trying to make is that you should wake up this morning and be enthusiastic. You should be reinvigorated. You shouldn't sit here now and say, well, it's all over. The country's going down the crapper. Um, they're just going to cheat to win. Um, because if that was the case, if they needed to cheat to win and they were just going to cheat to win everywhere, there wouldn't have been a clean sweep. You wouldn't have seen races across the country start to go red. You wouldn't have seen the House delegates go from majority Democrats and now tied, or I think it's ahead, but more Republican. You wouldn't see New Jersey be this closely fought for a Republican. You wouldn't see a city attorney in Seattle become or a Republican become a city attorney in Seattle. In Long Island, district attorneys were winning across the island. District attorneys were winning all over parts of New York, not Manhattan, but New York, like the rest of New York City. Republicans were winning. So that's the message is that there's always another election that you got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off work your messaging, get a better platform, and go on offense. We need to go on offense. You need to take this momentum and say, why not California? You know, why not California? They did it in Virginia. And that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I keep saying it's the biggest thing, but I think that's really the biggest lesson of last night is why not? Virginia was a deep blue state, and now it has a Republican governor and a Republican lieutenant governor and a Republican attorney general and now a Republican House of Delegates. You know, who's to say? A reliably blue state where governors, Democrat governors win by 10 points easily now has an entire slate of new Republican leadership. Why not California? Don't write off California. And I think there's still a lot of work to be done in California. I don't think we can sit back and look at Virginia and go, oh, the same thing's going to happen here in California without work. It has, there has to be work. Believe me, there has to be work. And I saw Jessica Milan Patterson on, on local news this morning talking about everything that's going on. And I hope she, she sees this and goes, we got to register voters. We got to get out and we got to start building a platform and we got to start getting out and getting our numbers up in California. I've always said, if you turn California from a 50 to 25%, two to one ratio, if you made it 55 to 45, all of a sudden, it's a whole different state. It's a whole different. It's not the same state anymore. And you got to get people out. 
you got to get people out and you got to get people, you got to increase the numbers. You got to put out good candidates and got to have a good message. And at the end of the day, you got to go on offense. You can't take anything for granted. Democrats certainly have not taken anything for granted. They never did. Howard Dean proposed the 50 state strategy a long time ago. If you remember in 2004, when Howard Dean was, you know, the rising star of the democratic primary at that time. Everyone thought he was going to, he was, he was slated. He was, he had all the momentum. Everyone's like, here comes Howard Dean. He was the first one to really come up with this 50 state strategy to put Republicans on defense everywhere. Obama successfully implemented it. He did the 50 state strategy and did it better and successfully implemented it. Republicans now have to look at and go, how do we do our own 50 state strategy? Where do we go? Where are these pockets where we can go on offense and start to flip things? The same thing has to be done here in California. We have to look at California, the entire map and go, where can we start to pick up votes? Every little bit matters. You know, last night, not, not super consequential to a lot of people probably, but a Republican won La Mesa city council last night, flipped the democratic seat, huge, huge, because now it has implications on county government. So every little bit helps, every little seat helps, every school board seat helps, every state assembly seat helps, every state senator seat helps, every city council seat helps, every county supervisor seat helps. And you have to start looking at the entire map of California and go, who's weak? Who can we pick off? Where can we go on offense? And what's our messaging? And how are we going to reach those people in those blue areas? How are we going to reach those independents that are in those bluer areas? How are we going to reach people who are moderate Democrats who are fed up with the far left agenda? That's really the, the game plan going forward. So I was excited after last night. My phone is my phone died of constantly scrolling Twitter and seeing the updates over and over and over again because I went to bed and I think I, I, I'd gone to bed right around the time that they all started officially calling it for Young King because I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I want to go to bed not knowing if it's officially over because I feel like, you know, still a little 2020 PTSD. I don't want to go to bed and think, Oh, I think everything's fine. And then wake up and see all these numbers change. Um, but I was able to go to bed. It looked like once CNN called it, I said, well, if they conceded, then it's really over if CNN called it. Um, so that's really the lesson. That's the lesson of Virginia and how it applies here in California and I, I'm looking forward to, like I said, I'm doing work behind the scenes. You know, when, when we get a better idea of what we're going to do and what we want to talk about, let you know and how you can get involved. Yep. Laura Lothian was the Republican City Council in La Mesa. Congratulations to her. Um, so stuff I'll be doing behind the scenes. But I hope this invigorates you. I hope you woke up today with a renewed sense of hope that there is there's a it's a new day. It's a new day in America. Everyone thought we were dead. We were on the side of the road. We were headed towards, you know, uh, a a far socialist country that everything was over. But the people last night in all over the country, not just Virginia, all over the country stood up and said no. And you still have to vote. And I hope a lot of people saw last night. And, and who may have said, well, I'm not voting because I'm not voting until election integrity is solved. I hope you watch that last night and go, maybe voting still does matter. Maybe my vote still does make a difference. And I hope that people kind of get past this 2020. Um, 
especially here in California, your vote still matters. And especially in local races, you can still make a huge wave and you can still make an impact. And the last thing you should be doing is telling other people don't vote because it's all rigged or it's they're cheating or all this stuff. Um, you know, don't tell people uh, not to vote. Don't scare people away from voting. Get people out to vote. Get people excited. It's a new day. Whole new. And that's what I love about politics. That's what I love about politics. That's why maybe I get so excited. Or that's why I nerd out about politics. It's always changing. I always think. I had thought, like, as a Democrat, I thought when Obama left office, I was like, ah, you know, we're never going to have interesting politics again. Who was I wrong once Donald Trump came along? And I was like, boy, now we have really interesting politics. But there's always a new chapter. There's always a new day. There's always a new election. There's always stuff is always changing. People's minds are changing. Demographics are changing. It's always a new issue every single day. Uh, and that's why I love it. So that's my rant. How does everyone feel? Let me know in the chat. How is everyone feeling this morning? Do you think Virginia is a blueprint and a lesson for what we do here in California? Let me know in the chat. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. If you have any comments or questions, let me know how you feel about last night. If you say, hey, um, it was great. We still have a lot of work. Um, but, but, but someone asked about New Jersey, what the count is in New Jersey. I don't know. Politico, I think Politico was who I was following yesterday. So let me look this up real quick. Dems vow to plow forward on Biden agenda, even after election face plants. Uh, go right ahead. Absolutely. Um, keep doing it, you know? <laughs> That's what I say. You know, there are a lot of tweets where people were like, oh, last night was a white lash. It's because of a lot of racists. Um Ooh, excuse me. That if you hear that snoring in the background, that is our new uh, Frenchie uh, Winnie who is sleeping in my office, and she snores really, really loud. Uh, I'm trying to find. Do, 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 do. Shocker in New Jersey governor's race a nail biter. Uh, they remain locked in a neck and neck battle Wednesday with the outcome too close to call. Uh, the vote right now is Murphy is 1,199,000 to 1,184,000. So 49.9% to 49.3% with 89. Is that 89? I think it's 89 of the vote in. So it's still very, very close. Um, and Citarelli did very well. Uh, he won a lot of, he, he won overwhelmingly a lot of counties, ocean County. He won really big in, uh, he won big in Monmouth County. I know a lot of people on here who are not New Jersey. People are like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Um, but I'm from New Jersey. So this is interesting. Sussex County, very rural County, um, Warren County, which is where I grew up. Not surprising. Citarelli won 64 to 34. Um, if I, I always say, you know, I grew up sort of like a country boy in New Jersey and people are like, how'd you grow up a country boy in New Jersey? Let me tell you, if I, if I dropped you in from a helicopter and you didn't know where you were into the town where I grew up, you'd think you were like in the deep South. Let's just put it that way. You know, beat up pickup trucks, Confederate flags, one horse, little town. And I, by one horse, I mean, literally 
the bar actually had like a hitching post where you could tie horses um, because people would ride their horses into town and like go to the local bar. So if you think you can't grow up in the country in New Jersey, I will show you where it definitely is very country. Okay, so let's get to comments. Uh, It says it shows you how much grassroots people make a difference in elections right now. Absolutely. Yeah, it it makes a difference. And I I think it shows uh, that when you get involved and don't just sit on the sideline and pout and have your pity party, that you can get things done instead of pouting and just sitting there and going, hey, they're going to cheat. It's not even worth it. The system's broken. It's not even worth doing anything. If the Democrats could cheat and just win every election that was important to them, Virginia would have not been a bloodbath like it was last night. Let me just say that. If they had to, if they could just cheat and do whatever they want, um, then Virginia would have not been a huge bloodbath because they would have cheated on some level, right? I mean, maybe they would have let like a lieutenant governor in and make you, oh, see, it's all fair. It's all fine. At least the lieutenant governor won. No, but the fact that they had a clean sweep of all three state offices and the House of Delegates just shows you that, you know, don't sit on the sidelines, get a good, get a good candidate, get a good strategy. I also think like, I don't know much about Glenn Youngkin. I, I don't follow him. I, I'd never even actually really, I don't think I've actually heard him speak before until last night. Um, I've never heard him like give a speech. Uh, I think he was fortunate enough that Terry McAuliffe kind of had his Howard Dean moment, his yeah moment at that debate where he said point blank that um, parents shouldn't be telling teachers what their kids should be teaching or be taught. And I think that was the gaffe that ultimately sunk Terry McAuliffe and turned Youngkin's fortunes around. Because remember, he was down by like 10 points. The fact that he went up from like 10 down to like five up two to two to five up was a huge deal. And I think, uh, it, it touched upon a, an issue that is definitely going to get people out to the polls. And I think that's definitely a winning issue going forward is education. Uh, there's education going on here in California. There's going to be a new, uh, pro, uh, proposition, uh, school choice, California school choice foundation is gathering signatures for this proposition. It will, open up education savings accounts so that you can choose to take that money and go somewhere else with your child, give school choice to children across California. That could be an issue. That could be a huge issue for people going forward between the the lockdowns and what's going on with CRT, which I'm reading a great book right now. Uh, It's called Cynical Theories. Fantastic book. If you're able to get your hands on it, Check it out, Cynical Theories. It talks about, like, where did this all come from? Why are we talking about this stuff? What's the point of it? What's the goal of it? Uh, I'm a couple chapters in so far, but it's it's very good. It's very, very good. The guy did a really good job um, laying it out. Um, and it's one of those books I'm reading, like, at night, and I'm like, I can't put this down. I read it for, like, 40 minutes. I'm like, this is a fantastic book. Um, so, yeah, I think, on one hand, I think, you know, Youngkin might have been a good candidate. I, I don't know if he was the great. Maybe he was a great candidate. I don't know too much about him. Um, but I think also the Democrats stepped in it when you have McAuliffe say that parents don't get to really have a say in their child's education. Once that happened, I, you saw the polls swing immediately. Um, how can we support this school choice? 
Uh, it's California School Choice Foundation. Let me tell you right now. Um, Todd Madison was on one of the podcasts a while back and he was talking about it. So if you want to find out more information, I'm pulling up the website for you. Uh, it's, I think it's, is it this one? I want to make sure I get the right one. Uh, I don't think it's this one. I don't think it's California. I gotta find it. Um, but I'll, maybe I'll post it. But there is a proposition for school choice, um, here going for 2022. So keep an eye out for that. If you see that proposition, let all the mama and papa bears know about it and get people out to sign it so that they vote for it. Um, because that would be huge if there's school choice here in California. All right, let's see what everyone's got. Uh, uh, uh. Excuse me, I had to reinforces what you've been saying all along. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like do a victory lap right now because there's still a lot of work to do, especially here in California. And in case anyone's just joining and wondering why I'm all dressed up in a suit was because I had a hearing this morning regarding the free speech and misinformation lawsuit we filed here in San Diego County against the County Board of Supervisors. Um, so I just kind of hopped off that and hopped on here. That's why I'm in this suit. So this is... And all hearings are virtual now, so that's why I'm sitting here in my office like this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to take a victory lap and pat myself on the back because there's still a lot of work to be done here in California. And it may not necessarily work in California, and we have to do it a little bit differently here. But it doesn't change the fact that the basics are really still there. You still got to get out. Still got to build a good team. Got to get a good ground game going. You got to get the registration up. You got to get the numbers up. You got to go on offense and you can't take any vote for granted. You know, there's probably a lot of red votes in blue areas that you're not thinking about. You know, you can't just sit back and go, well, I'm not going to campaign like John Cox. The one other thing that I never liked about John Cox and why I thought he was a loser candidate was because once he got the nomination, he disappeared into the Central Valley and you never heard from him again. And he was like, well, I'm just going to go to the Central Valley and shore up my vote there. Don't worry, don't, you know, don't worry about that, baby. You, you know, you got that. Like the Central Valley is on your side. Like in California, if you want to flip the state, you got to put them on defense. And that means you got to go to places like LA and San Francisco. And you got to start getting votes there with independents and moderate Democrats who may be tired of everything that's going on, who may never at their in their life. You know, I heard stories of people last night who said, I'd never, ever, ever in my life. I'm a liberal progressive i've never voted for a republican tonight i voted for for glenn youngkin stories like that all and, and people like that all across the country who were democrats who were like i've never voted republican in my life i voted republican last night those are open minds i've talked about this there are open minds right now and people are looking for solutions and you have to be able to get those people and get them into your ranks there's a small window we, we can't take this for granted we can't sit here and be like Oh yeah, they'll they'll eventually come around. They'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll just wait. We'll just sit back and wait, and they'll figure it out. No, no, no. You have to see this opportunity where they are losing the messaging, where they're losing on these issues, and you have to go at it, and you have to go on offense and put them on defense. And we've talked about this. With we're going to continue talking about this. We'll come back to that book. Don't think of an elephant and talk about framing some more and messaging and stuff like that. But that's where we have to go. That's what that's how you win. It's really about numbers. 
And that's what they showed last night in Virginia is it's about numbers. And you, you do that through grassroots and registering and a good message and not taking any vote for granted. Do you think Scott Pressler was a big factor why their seats being filled by Republicans? Absolutely. Scott Pressler is doing, uh, doing incredible work. Um, he is, I heard, I saw someone tweet at him, like, who are you? Like, because he was talking about like all the stuff that he's done, how many people he registered. And someone said, who are you? And he said, I'm just the Stacey Abrams of the Republican party. That's a perfect way to put it. Um, you know, he's not going to whine about winning, not winning an election for years on end and pretend they're the fake governor of a state. But Scott Pressler is doing the work that Stacey Abrams effectively did that made her famous or put her on the map um, is he's getting people registered. He's going to these places and getting people registered as Republicans. And that's what needs to be done here in California is that there's a swath of, of people out here. There's a huge opportunity. Those 25% independence is huge. And the fact that they're just sitting out there and no one's really trying to court them or no one's been successful in courting them shows you that there's a huge opportunity out there to get those people into your ranks and start changing things here in California. Mm-mm-mm. Volunteer at the local level. Find your passion and start there. If your passion is school districts, board of supervisors, yeah. Absolutely. If your passion is school board, um, go run for school board, you know, get involved. I want to be involved, but I don't know where to start. How do I help? Well, that depends on what you want to do. Do you want to be a front and center candidate? Do you want to run for something or do you want to support people who are running? That's, you know, something you can certainly do. They're always looking for people who want to help. You know, if you're a Republican, go out to your local, and I say this, if you're a Republican or if you're a Libertarian, go to your local party and say, hey, I want to help. What can I do? Can I phone bank? Can I drop off mailers? Let me know what I got to do. Do I got to fill envelopes? Um, anything helps, you know, and the more people, because that's what it always comes down to. If you have a team and a good ground game, you can win in races and close races, especially. Um, you want to be part of the get out the vote, do that as well. So, you know, it depends on, do you want to be a candidate? Do you want to go out there and run or do you want to get involved? If you've never done it before, I would suggest start getting involved on like a a little level, volunteer here and there, see if you like it, go to some events, go to networking events. Um, that's how I got involved. Just get involved, you know, go to these events, start introducing yourself. If you show up enough at these events, people start to recognize you and say like, Hey, you know, How's it going with X, Y, Z? Can you help with this? Can you do this? And then away you go. So uh, we need to distance new Republican candidates from Trump where it was heavily blue in states. Yeah, um, that was a big question was the Trump question last night. Where did Trump play in all this? I know Trump wants to say he's going to take credit for it, but some people were trying to say the message of Trump was a winner and that Trump is still a viable candidate and that he's still a popular candidate. I would say at this point, I think Youngkin's win should solidify that Trump should not run again in 2024. And I say that with all due, you know, love what, you know, I love Trump as president. He was always fun to watch. Um, I love that he was the, the Molotov cocktail in Washington. He freaked everybody out. Um, he always was putting on a show. Um, 
And I love that he was different, that he was trying different things. But I think he was so demonized and he became so toxic. And some of that was his own doing. Like, I think if Trump was president and he stopped tweeting as much, and I know people will say, but that's how he reached the voters and that's how he got out to people. I think if he had just kind of like was a little bit more strategic with his tweeting, um, he could have done a lot better and not turned off a lot of independence. Because you saw really what helped Young Kim well last night was that he won the suburbs again. He was able to go back and win the suburbs where Trump lost the suburbs. So there's probably a lot of people in those suburbs who are like, nah, I'm not a big Trump person, but I'll vote for this Youngkin guy. He's definitely more palpable. Um, but it definitely does. And I wouldn't say it's the Trump message. I think Trump's message has a, is a message that's always been there in politics. It's just the Trump brand on it. Um, it's like, you know, Trump, how Trump brands everything. He, you know, he puts his brand on a stake. It doesn't necessarily mean it's Trump made that stake. It's just he branded that stake. Um but populism and this sort of, uh, I guess you would say, for the people kind of movement has been around in American politics for many, many years. I mean, William Jennings Bryant, look at him, go back to him. He was a huge populist back in the day. And I guess you could say Teddy Roosevelt was also a populist. So populism has been around for over 100 years. I mean, actually, I would say it goes all the way back to Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson was the first populist president who was elected really by the people, not by the elites, not by people in the know, not by Washington insiders. That's another interesting story. If you ever, uh, I guess it's called, is it the lion in the white house? Uh, that's a good book. It's a story about Andrew Jackson, but it talks exactly about you. You read it and you think you're reading a book about Trump where it's an outsider. No one liked him. He was brash. He was loud. He was, he was not, you know, at that time, the only people who were elected president were insiders. Um, it went from like, you know, John Adams to John Quincy Adams and et cetera. So this guy who came out of nowhere and won upset the entire establishment. But populism itself has really been around for a long, long time in America. And that message, I think, is what's resonating with people right now. This populist message of it's for the people. I represent the people. I represent their rights. I represent their independence. I represent their ability to live and do what they want to do. That idea of populism, I think, has been popular in American culture. And I think Youngkin was able to work it in a way that fit his platform. Um, he just kind of retooled it. Uh, DeSantis is kind of doing the same thing in Florida. He's kind of making it his own, like DeSantis style populism. So to answer your question or your comment, um, yeah, I think toxic Trump is the toxic entity. Look what happened in the recall. You know, the recall was pretty, pretty close for a long time. And Newsom was noodles was sweating there for a little bit. But Larry Elder's entrance was the Trump candidate that they needed to place Trump on and say, oh, if you, you know, it looks like if, if the recall passes, you're going to get a Trump Republican and you're going to get Trump. Da, 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 da. And that's what really kind of put uh, the recall over the top was that messaging. So we saw it here in California. Once Trump was added into the race and that person I was added into the race, Republican got slaughtered. But when Youngkin kept Trump at bay and kind of ran his own campaign on populism and these ideas of kitchen table politics, he won. So and I think DeSantis is doing the same thing in Florida, which is why I think DeSantis 2024 makes the most sense. But that's way down the road. We got a long way to go. Um, let's see what other comments. Mm -mm -mm -mm. We need to do what DeSantis did, start an election security department. 
Yeah. So this is something I keep going back and forth with people and people I've said this and, and I've gotten pushback and, and I've said, look, nothing else matters until you start winning. And people say, well, you won't start winning until we get our elections fixed. And my question is, is how will you get elections fixed and how will you ensure election integrity if you're not winning races and seats? Who's going to do it? Like what's a lawsuit won't do it. You know, a lawsuit doesn't make a law. It may stop bad laws, um, but it's not going to make new laws. And it's this circular argument of, well, we got we to gotta fix election integrity before we do anything else, before we start winning. But how are you going to start election integrity if you're not winning the races? So it really comes down to you just got to get the numbers. And once you get the numbers, and this is something I think will be interesting to follow in Virginia, is now that they have all three and they have a house delegates that's more favorable. Will they try and pass election reform in Virginia or will they get, you know, is Youngkin know that he's kind of like, he's on shaky ground there where he doesn't want to kind of rock the boat and say like, well, I want, I still want to win reelection. So I want, I don't want to do it now. Maybe I'll do it in my next term, which is kind of a weak way to do it, but whatever. Um, I say, do it. I say, just go for it. Why not? Do you feel Project Veritas report had any bearing on the New Jersey election? Um, it may have gotten more of the base out to vote. Uh, the problem is people who are not conservative probably don't listen to Project Veritas and they just dis- they just dismiss it outright. So it may have gotten the it may have gotten more of the base out to vote. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if it really like flipped a lot of Democrats. Um, I think it was a lot of suppression of Democrats. You know, I talked to a buddy of mine who was telling me how he knew people who were like hardcore Democrats and they weren't sure about voting for Murphy. They just didn't really like him. And I think when you have a bad candidate like McAuliffe and Murphy, Democrats aren't going to show up to vote and, that's why orange man bad probably worked in 2020 because they were voting against Trump. Not necessarily. I don't think there were people were rushing to the polls to go, Oh, I got to vote for Joe Biden. Like I love Joe Biden. I think, uh, well, that was a big snore. Um, I think they were voting against Trump, but I don't know if it really changed as much as people think it did because people will dismiss project Veritas It works in the echo chamber. Let me put it this way. Project Veritas works in the echo chamber because people believe it and they pass it around and they're like, look, look at this. It proves our point. Um, But it doesn't change people who are not fans of Project Veritas. They won't look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible reporting. Do you know about Commoner Law Group? They are providing educational info on mandates. I don't. But if they are, oh, thank you. Yeah, I just got out of court. So that's why. Book name and author you just recommended. Uh, Let me pull it up. I'd go get it, but I'm all hooked up to mics right now. Cynical Theories. Uh, It's called Cynical Theories. Uh, How Activist Scholarship. You can find it on Amazon. I actually got it out of the library. I had to wait a long time for it. It's Cynical Theories, How Activist Scholarship Made Everything About Race, Gender, Identity, and Why This Harms Everybody. It's by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. So, check it out. 
how does one switch your party from Dem to Republican? Uh, you just change your vote. You know, you can just go online and that's literally it. You just voter registration. Do you identify with a party? Yeah. Okay. I identify with Democrat or Republican. That's it. And you update your voting registration. Yes. We need to canvas the neighborhood and register people. We need to talk to people. Yes, absolutely. We definitely need to. Um, can you have Scott Presley on for a live interview, uh, to understand how he was successful? I wish I could. I'd love, I, I could always reach out to him, see what he thinks. Um, if I can get him on, I met Scott in California. His determination, like no other love Scott Presley. I've been following for a year. Uh, you can do it on there. Let's see. I love, I agree. I love him, but he's too polarizing for moderates and independents. I'm guessing you're talking about Trump. Um, he did wake us up to what's really going on. Cass, how can you say Trump shouldn't run again? How dare you? LOL. Of course I'm joking. If he does run, I won't be voting. Yeah, I think the funny thing about Trump is that I feel like the longer we go on without Trump, um, it's interesting. The longer he's kind of like off social media, he's not tweeting, he's not everywhere. People are starting to like pick up the mantle in a way. And um, yeah, it, I think people are starting to realize like the, the enthusiasm for him to run again in 2024. Me, and this is me personally. I feel like it's waning amongst other Republicans that they're like, because now you see what happened in Virginia. There's other candidates out there. You know, and, and you can win on a and a similar message of populism, but and they're going to call it, you know, whatever racism and alt right movements or whatever, because that's all they have. They're running out of that. That card is is so used. The thing is, he's not bought, and not many can deal with what he said and donating his salary. He didn't have favors to repay. Yeah, I did enjoy that. If no Trump, we need to DeSantis. I would DeSantis is. DeSantis, is, to me, is a better messenger for that populist platform than Trump was. Because Trump was all over the place. You know, when Trump would ever try to make a point, be like, uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Listen, listen, I know the best people. Believe me, believe me. Listen, excuse me. He was always off on tangents and you couldn't really follow what he was saying, but like DeSantis, because he was a Navy Jack, because he's an attorney, he's very good at obviously articulating his arguments. He's, you know, that's why you see him just shred reporters apart because he's like, look, you're wrong. Fact here, fact here. I have my citations. Fact here, fact here, fact here. And then they just kind of look at him with a blank stare because they're like, uh, what? I thought I'd get you with a gotcha. And DeSantis is like, no, lawyered. I got you. DeSantis to me is the better messenger. He's more palpable, I think, to suburban voters uh, in the long run. Uh, and that's why I think he's the better choice for 2024. But we got a long way to go. Thank you, everyone who keeps uh, supporting by buying badges. Um, I know folks that had their minds changed by Project Veritas. Yeah, see, I did. There's probably some people out there. The longer we are without Trump, the more we need him. Nah, I think the longer we're without Trump, I think it shows the longer uh, that the less we need him and that it's really up to us to start doing this ourselves. I see more people strongly disagreeing with the choices Democrats are making in California, such as the driving. But yeah, they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing and 
at, at the end of the day, I think they're pushing too hard. Like, I think they, they're definitely taking my Sharona Cyrus and like, they put their foot on the pedal and they're like, we have a chance to really radically change things. And when it comes to like the Overton window, usually the Overton window, you see slow change over the course of years, decades, because what they'll do is they'll like crack the Overton window. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the Overton window, it's this philosophical idea of like, you get populations to accept stuff by slowly opening the Overton window to let little ideas in. So people get used to it. You don't throw it open and just blow them away. And I think after my Sharona Cyrus, Democrats just kind of flung the thing open. And now people are like, whoa, way too much, way too fast. You know, drive per mile tax, electric cars, all this and that. You're not going to own anything and you're going to love it and stuff like that. It's definitely catching people off guard and people are rejecting it. And and, and they've, they've played their hand. I think they, they said they took a roll of the dice and said, we have a chance to try and do this. Um, but now you're seeing across the country, people are pushing back. So, um, yeah, I think they, they've kind of overplayed their hand other than Rand DeSantis and Trump. I don't think many other names that will unite as many. Yeah. So I think DeSantis is really the go-to guy. Um, I know they were already talking about like, well, can Youngkin win? You know, they were already debating on MSNBC. Can he be presidential? Like I they haven't even called the race yet. And they're already like determining whether or not he can be president. Um, but I still think DeSantis um, over 10. Oh, like over O V E R T O N over 10 window. Um, yeah. Look it up. You can read about the Overton window and why they like crack it. You know, it's this whole thing about like cracking it and letting it, letting it be in. Does DeSantis want to run for president? He hasn't indicated whether or not he wants to run for president. I think he said he, you know, he, he gives the normal answer of like, I'm governor of Cal or governor of California. I wish he was a governor of California. He gives the same answer of like, well, I'm a governor of Florida now and I'm here for the state of Florida and the Florida voters. And, but I don't think Florida voters would be upset if he ran for president. I think they are expecting him to run. I think they're excited for him to run. Um, I think he's the clear front runner right now. Um, and I, I saw a poll that 24% of Democrats think they have a better shot of winning in 2024 if they run someone other than Joe Biden. That's pretty bad that you're nine months into your presidency, about nine months, yeah, nine or so months. And already, um, 24% of Democrats think you shouldn't be the nominee in 2024. That's bad. That's really bad. Um, But hey, you know what? They wanted to do what they they wanted to rush Joe Biden in there. And I've always, I'm being the optimist that I am. I've always said, maybe this is the silver lining. Maybe Joe Biden's just such an awfully bad president that people will look at this and go, "I, I can't support this. And I'm the Democratic Party might be destroyed after this. You know, they might just absolutely be destroyed. It's a fine line with Trump. He has a large base who are loyal and we do not have a chance of winning seats without him. Now, but see, I think Youngkin proved last night that you can still have the base, the Trump base, which is really just, you know, more Republicans, um, and 
get independents and moderate Democrats. And I think he showed that last night and he did it without Trump. Like he didn't have Trump around. Like he didn't really have this big deal with Trump. It's not like he had to bring in Trump. He did it on its own. And I think he showed that a blueprint of how to still go with that messaging. And that's why I say like the messaging of Trump is not necessarily new. It's Trump put his own spin on as it's Trumpism. And Trumpism was never going to just disappear last year after the election. He was never just going to like overnight uh, disappear. Well, yeah, he was endorsed by Trump. Of course, Trump was going to endorse him. Uh, but I don't think he really he didn't like campaign with them or do anything. Do you think Kevin Kiley or Tremino have a chance in California for the upcoming election cycle? Uh, Kevin Kiley, maybe, you know, he's got name recognition. I think Tremino has to work on the name recognition. Um but, you know, now he's got a full year and I've talked to him before in his last interview. He talked about how, you know, if it goes to 2022, now he's got a full year to kind of get this off the runway and really get people behind him. So who knows? He's a smart guy when it comes to business and marketing. I mean, his whole business is marketing. So he may know how to get out to people faster and better than than you or I. Um, but what was I saying about Trump? Yeah, the, the Trump platform is not necessarily just always been trump it's just trump's brand of it and at the end of the day it's just populism just packaged differently and i think young can prove that last night that you can win without trump and um you don't really have to have trump there all the time and you can still use sort of his message and his lessons and kind of reach out to people make it more palpable without the trump effect of it and still win so and I think you're going to see a lot of, I think, I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll see how that shakes out with the GOP establishment and say, like, they may look at this and go, well, now we know that we don't need Trump to win races. So maybe we throw the whole Trump thing to the curb. It'll be interesting to see. And I'm sure, you know, everyone's going to want to take their, their victory lap, you know, Ron McDaniel wants to take her victory lap and pretend like she had a huge deal with it or a big deal with it. You know, everyone's going to take their victory lap and say they had something to do with it. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's going to be picked apart and people are going to say, why did he win? And they're going to say, give you a thousand reasons as to why he won and why they all take credit for it. All right. Final questions. Um, thank you for tuning in a little later today. Did have to get some business done. Um, like I said, our next hearing is December 10th, preliminary injunction for this uh, to stop this medical misinformation resolution, which is an abridgment of free speech. Uh, true Trump was just a stepping stone. Some people need to understand that grassroots people is what makes change. Yeah, I mean, Trump, the, the reason why Trump was successful was because his platform, when people look at it, it's it's appealable. People look at it and they said, um, I think people look at it and they say, yeah, okay, I get this platform. I love it. Um, and that's why it's popular. And it's been popular for almost over a hundred years. This idea of populism has been really popular. No, no pun intended. Um, but I, I think it wasn't like this unique Trump platform where he created something out of thin air. I think he just took the populism wave and ran with it. And I think any candidate can take that populism kind of thread of Republicanism and and run with it. And that's what it comes down to is how do you take that populism 
rebrand it for each state so that it works in every state. And remember, like I've always said, a Republican in California has to be way different than a Republican in Oklahoma. Um, but we, we take the lessons. We take the lessons. Uh, don't think we'll be lucky in New Jersey like Virginia was, but it speaks volumes to who came out to vote this time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think um, it should be a shot across the bow to Murphy if he ends up winning um, and kind of shows him like, People are not behind you, man. Like, you know, so don't go crazy with the vaccine mandates and the mass mandates and the lockdowns and all this stuff. Like, you know, take it easy a little bit. Um, if Citarelli wins, I, that would be the most underrated story this year is if Citarelli pulls it out. That would be unbelievable. Um, talk about an upset. There is a recall for Raymer. Yeah. So someone asked, what can we do at the San Diego County Board of Supervisors? Nathan Fletcher is up for re-election next year. Uh, I don't know who they're going to run against Nathan Fletcher. I hope they put someone up good against Nathan Fletcher. Again, I hope they just don't write it off and say like, well, he's going to raise a ton of money. Who cares? You know, if anything we've learned in politics, and this is something else Trump taught, you don't necessarily need all the money in the world to win. I mean, he had a fraction of what Hillary Clinton spent and he still beat her. Um, they were just smarter with what they did. And I think money isn't everything. Money helps. But if you're smart with your money and you know what you're doing, you can you can win an effective and run an effective campaign. Um, but yeah, there is a recall for Remmer, Reamer um, just because she was just recently elected. So there's more of a runway to gather the signatures and have a recall election. The reason Nathan Fletcher recall didn't really make sense is because he's up for re-election next year. So it's like the rule is like if it runs close together with an election of that official, they like put them together. So you kind of lose like the real purpose of recalling them. Um, so, yeah, I think people I think the focus is now just getting on someone to really go against Fletcher and just, you know, fight back against Fletcher. Um, but, yeah, so, that, you know, we could possibly recall Reamer. She'd be gone. She's in a, a close district. Her seat was held by a Republican. Just last year, it was Kristen Gaspar was the Republican who held her seat, and it was three two Republicans on the county board of supervisors. Flip her seat, all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game in county board of supervisors. So yeah. Anyway, all right. Thank you everyone for tuning on. Um, as always, uh, merchandise still available. Uh, the elites hate you. Is uh, you know people are messaging me and they love it. Um, you know. My wife said now she wants one. She wants a sweatshirt for herself. She said it looks really comfy. Um, so if you want your own, you can get a t-shirt, tank top, sweatshirt, um, women's tank top, all different styles. Uh, yeah, I remembered this week to wear my ring so I don't get in trouble like I did last week. This week I wore my ring. Um, but yeah, you can check that out there. Uh, thank you to everyone who supported with badges um you know helps me keep going get better at this show and increase the platform tomorrow i think you're gonna do an earlier podcast with natalie uh she's been a co-host number of times um so we're gonna talk about some stuff and uh yeah i got stuff planned up i'm, I'm reaching out to the local politicians to get their thoughts on races coming up and what's gonna happen and um yeah end the year strong and everyone enjoy today as a good day. It's a new day in politics and a new day in the political world. Sends a big message, huge message to the rest of the country that we're not down and out yet. There's still fight left in the American people. 
and it's always a new day. So take that. Let's keep the momentum rolling and, you know, see what we can do with it. So wedding ring suits you all. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone. I will chat with you all tomorrow or next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 